How's it going, everyone? Welcome to another episode of English Encore. I'm your host, Nick English. Thank you all for tuning in. Today, we'll be talking about the World Series and the fallout after that, after the Nationals won. We'll be talking about which team in the NFL has been the most surprising so far this season. I'm going to give you some of my NBA thoughts, and then finally talk about Steph Curry and what his injury means for not only the Warriors, but for the rest of the NBA. So starting off with the World Series, the Nationals went on to beat the Astros in the World Series in seven games. One of the most exciting World Series I think a lot of people have seen in a while. Really back and forth series. Very interesting enough, not a single team won a home game. Not sure if that's the first time that's ever happened or not in the MLB, but definitely crazy. The Astros had a lot of chances to win in games six and seven, but ultimately couldn't get it done. I'm a little upset just because I did predict the Astros to beat the Nationals in the World Series. I'm glad that I got the two teams that are right, and I predicted the Astros to win seven games, and they lost in seven. I thought Justin Verlander was a key story in the World Series. He didn't pitch well at all. 0-2, got dominated by Strasburg in their head-to-head matchup, and the Astros just didn't take advantage of of their opportunities when they needed to in game six they had a golden opportunity with Max Scherzer not being able to pitch because of a late injury and they weren't able to get it done and then they choked in game seven to be quite honest with you they were up 2-0 going into the top of the seventh Granke allows a home run to Rendon and then he allows a single to Soto and then that's when it all went downhill they decided to not leave Granke in even though he's pitching very well to that point they decided to go with the bullpen, and the very next batter, Kendrick Homers, off the relief pitcher, Harris. We've got a whole new ball game, and the Nationals go on to win the World Series. Um, the move to pull Granke was definitely the changing point in that game. I think they should have left him in just because of his experience in the playoffs and just being a veteran in general instead of turning to Harris and you saw the result of what happened. Garrett Cole is another name that's going to be talked about now. Whether or not he's going to go back to the Astros or not. A lot of people have been throwing his name around with the Yankees, Angels, maybe even going back to the Astros. Who really knows? I know the Angels want him really bad. He has a good relationship with John, excuse me, Joe Madden. And then the Yankees, obviously every year, want to go after the big names. And then Steven Strasburg, what a, what a series he had. Gets named MVP, and then he opts out of his final year of his contract, so... It's going to be very interesting to see what happens. Yankees, another team that's thrown out yet again. Same thing with the Dodgers. Those two teams usually go after all the big names. Who knows what Dodgers will do with Kershaw after his playoff performance yet again. Um, I think Strasburg is really interesting just because you look at that Nationals team and you look at them last year. They lose Bryce Harper, the superstar player, the franchise player, and now you're potentially going to lose Strasburg. Um, definitely an interesting storyline to follow through the rest of the summer before the next season starts. But I think in the end, even if Strasburg does leave, Nationals fans will be happy just because they got the World Series. So moving on to my most surprising NFL team. This was a very tough decision just because there are a lot of teams that have been surprised in good ways and bad ways. Um, just some of the teams to throw out there. The Bills have been a little bit of a surprise. I don't think people thought they'd be where they're at. The Colts, after Andrew Luck decided to retire, they've still been clicking on all cylinders. 
The Falcons have been a disappointment all year. Carolina Panthers was really close for me just because they start off 0-2 and Kyle Allen comes in and pretty much rejuvenates that team. He's won five games for them. And now they got some controversy with Cam Newton. But ultimately, in the end, the team I decided to go with with most surprising, which I never thought I'd be saying at the beginning of the year, is the Oakland Raiders. 5-4, and four, not the greatest record, not the worst. However, just with everything that happened with them in the offseason, just all the drama surrounding Antonio Brown, Gruden really hasn't proven himself as a coach since he's come back. They traded away Khalil Mack and got the two first-round picks. Everyone hated that move. And then they drafted two guys who a lot of people were skeptical about. Um, They drafted Farrell with the fourth overall pick. Everyone did not like that pick. They got Josh Jacobs. I think a lot of people like that. And then Jonathan Abram was a little bit of a wild card. But just overall, the Raiders weren't a team that a lot of people, I think, pegged as being good going into the season. But I think they've done a really nice job so far. Five and four, they have wins versus the Chargers, Lions, and Colts. I know the Chargers haven't been great this year, but that's a team with a lot of talent. Chargers and Browns are kind of having similar seasons that both teams have playoff and potential Super Bowl expectations and have tons of talent, just haven't lived up to it yet. Lions, despite their record, I think they've had a very solid year. Um, They've just been losing some close games, and they got gypped out of that loss, which I talked about a few podcasts ago against the Packers. And the Colts, as I mentioned, was another team that's been surprising. Um, Brissett's had a really nice year. Hilton, I know, has been out, but he's had a great year. Same with Marlon Mack. The defense has been great. Frank Wright's been doing a great job with them. They had a three-point loss last week to the Texans. So, um, team that's been grinding through some games. They have a great opportunity going forward. They play the Bengals and the Jets their next two weeks. So, that could put them potentially at 7-4 and four before they would face the Chiefs again. The Chiefs had a surprising loss today. And Patrick Mahomes returned versus the Titans and Ryan Tannehill. So every team this year is um, susceptible to a loss. Kind of been a really weird year for the NFL. But just the Raiders, as I mentioned before, the whole A-B drama. They trade for him and give him his money. And then he creates all this sort of problems. Gets frostbite on his foot. Says he wants to be there. Then he posts a phone call with Gruden. Just all sorts of screwed up stuff happening there. Um Jonathan Abram goes down with an injury. Vontez Burfecht, midway through the season, gets hit with the suspension for a year just because of his previous history and the dirty hit he had against the Colts on Jack Doyle, I believe it was. And then a really nice story, I think, for the Raiders is Darren Waller, the tight end who was featured on Hard Knocks, talked about um, overcoming his drug addictions and whatnot. He's been probably a top three to five tight end all year for them and been Derek Carr's go-to guy. And I've never really been a big fan of Derek Carr. I think he's overrated. He had that one good year uh, where he was kind of up there in the MVP conversations. Then he ended up getting hurt, and they'd end up losing against the Texans because Matt McGloin and Connor Cook were thrust into action. But Derek Carr's having a great year, 14 touchdowns, four interceptions, over 2,000 yards passing. Um, He's proving a lot of people wrong, and he's getting some credit now from national sports media and the Raiders are on the right track I think everyone wanted to just blame the GM and Gruden immediately after the Mac trade and I think a lot of Raiders fans just wanted to throw or throw their hands up and give up at that point just because of what we've seen 
Khalil Mack do on the Bears. He's been a stud. But it's starting to come around. It's been taking some time, but it looks like the Raiders actually might have had the proper plan in place. And we'll see what they do the rest of the season. It'll be interesting to see what happens once they finally move to Vegas, um, how the fans will travel and whatnot, or if that's going to create a different type atmosphere and whether or not Gruden and them are going to be able to handle it. But so far, I think the Raiders have been the most surprising team, in my opinion. As I mentioned before, a lot of other choices, but... I think the Raiders, just because of what their expectations were coming into the year, have been the most surprising. So now we're going to get a little more in-depth with some NBA talk. It's been about a week and a half since the season started. Just want to go through three teams that have surprised me in both good and bad ways. And there's kind of some overall takeaways on what the season, I think, could have going forward. So my first surprising team, going to my favorite team, is the Miami Heat. Starting the season off 6-3, and three, a team that I think is underappreciated. Eric Spolstra, I don't think, nearly gets enough credit over the years of how good a coach he is. And the Heat have done a really good job of always going out and finding these low-key good players, whether it's in the draft, free agency, um, trades, whatever it may be, um, to really put themselves in position to compete each and every year especially with Dwayne Wade retiring at the end of last season. Um, the Heat, a lot of people, I think, looked at them as if they were going to go into a rebuild, but that's never been Pat Riley's mentality. He went out, made a trade, brought in a superstar in Jimmy Butler, who I think a lot of people doubt just because of the problems he's had with other teams in the past, like the Sixers and the Timberwolves and the Bulls. However, I think Jimmy fits the Heat culture perfectly, and you can just tell so far he's clicking with all of his teammates, and he genuinely loves playing in Miami, and it finally fits the style he wants to play, kind of grind it out defensively, and then just a team that's willing to share the ball, and it doesn't matter who scores the game high on a nightly basis. They just want to go out there and win. Tyler Hero, early rookie of the year candidate, has been absolutely balling for the Miami Heat. And Kendrick Nunn, undrafted rookie, he's been starting games for the Heat at point guard. They're having Dragic come off the bench. Nunn just out of nowhere kind of exploded onto the scene in the preseason, enough so that they gave him a contract, and he's been playing some big minutes for the Heat so far to start the season. I don't know if that's going to continue, but so far it's working. Um, the only critical thing you could say probably about the Miami Heat is they've given out some bad contracts with some veteran players going back to James Johnson and Deion Waiters. James Johnson failed his physical coming into the season, so he just recently started playing. And then yesterday we had the whole debacle with Deion Waiters um, eating an edible and passing out on a plane on their last trip, so he's been suspended. Um, not the best look for Miami there, but overall they're off to a good start. Dallas Mavericks, another team off to a really good start in my opinion. That Luka Doncic, Kristaps Porzingis connection has been fire so far. They're combining for 47 points per game. That game against the Lakers was probably the best game of the season so far and one a lot of people would love to see them face each other in the playoffs. Back and forth game. Lucas really exploded onto the scene himself and has established himself as one of the best players in the NBA. Porzingis coming back off that injury, um, trying to pretty much show people that He's fully healthy and that he's the same player he was before he got hurt. And he's doing a nice job of that this year. He looks a little bigger, 
looks like he has a more polished jump shot now. So the Mavericks, I think, are going to be a really fun team to watch throughout the season. They did some nice things in the offseason as well, adding some bench depth and whatnot. So I think they're going to be a team to be reckoned with in the West, and I would expect them to make the playoffs. And then a team that's been a little bit surprising that I had some high expectations for was the Sacramento Kings. They have so much talent. And I thought a guy like Luke Walton coming in was going to be the perfect fit for them, a younger coach to go along with a lot of these young players that they have, that they're building their franchise around. But it's just not working right now. Um, you had some offseason issues with Buddy Heald. Um, the contract talks weren't going great. They ultimately got the deal done. But he hasn't looked the same so far this season. But just that core between Heald, De'Aaron Fox, and Marvin Bagley, and uh, Bogdanovich as well, mixed in with a few veterans like Harrison Barnes and Trevor Ariza. I really thought the Kings were going to make some noise here. They did a great job last year. They really pushed for a playoff spot, ultimately just missed out. But so far, they're off to a 3-6 and six slow start. And it seems like Fox has been really their only player on offense that's been consistent. I think Bagley's had a pretty bad year by his standards so far. Barnes has been average. Heal's been struggling a little bit shooting. And then I think Ariza and Bogdanovich have both struggled coming off the bench so far. So it'll be interesting to see going forward. I think they can definitely pick it up. But in the Western Conference, it's definitely going to be a little more tough than it is in the East. But those are the three teams I think that have jumped out to me so far as being surprising. And then just some trending thoughts. Um, the Lakers and Clippers, I think, are going to be something special to behold towards the end of the year. I think that's going to become a legit rivalry. You saw what the Clippers did to the Lakers opening night without Paul George. Just wait till Paul George gets in the mix. The Clippers are going to be unstoppable. But ever since that loss, the Lakers haven't lost the game. LeBron James looks in MVP form. Anthony Davis has played great. Dwight Howard looks like he's rejuvenated his career in his second stint with the Lakers. He's playing some great ball. Danny Green hitting some clutch shots, including the game-tying three-pointer in that game against the Mavericks. They're getting good contributions off the bench from Alex Caruso, Rondo, whoever it may be. Avery Bradley's playing some lockdown defense. Kuzma's starting to work his way back in from injury as well. And I still think the Clippers have a little bit of edge um, over the Lakers just because of defensive purposes and Paul George coming back adds a whole different dimension to that team in my opinion so I think those two teams are going to be duking it out in the Western Conference Finals at the end of the year when it's all said and done and I think one of those two teams will beat whoever comes out of the East for the NBA title um, Portland another team that's I think will easily make the playoffs but they're already facing some adversity I feel like Portland gets hit with the injury bug almost every year so they get rid of Mo Harkless El Farouk and Seth Curry. Instead, they bring back Rodney Hood, and then they trade for Hassan Whiteside, get rid of Myers Leonard as well, and they get Kent Bazemore in a trade for Evan Turner. So added a lot more talent, I think, than they let go, but Collins, their promising third-year player, out with an injury for a long time. Nurkic is still out. Whiteside's not going to be that guy like Nurkic and Collins who can really shoot jumpers or threes and be a consistent offensive player. Whiteside's had a little bit of an anger problem in the past, as I would know from being a Heat fan. He struggles to stay on the court with foul trouble. 
He has gotten better over the past few years, but he's just not the same type of pick-and-roll player that Dame and CJ are accustomed to with Collins and Nurkic. Um, I think it's going to be tough for them to really fight through this, but if Nurkic can come back soon, I think they're still going to be a top 3-4 team in the West, and if this injury does affect the Portland Trailblazers long-term, they could fall down to a 7th or 8th seed, but they could definitely do some damage in the playoffs. Damian Alert still being a stud so far. He dropped 60 the other night, even though they lost. Um, I fully believe in him and what he's going to do. And the Boston Celtics off to a great start, and they get hit with a devastating blow with Gordon Hayward suffering yet another injury. That guy just can't catch a break. He's such a good person and great basketball player. It's tough to see him go down again with another injury on just a weird play. Runs into a screen against the Spurs and hurts his wrist or forearm. I believe he broke his forearm or something with that nature. And he's going to be out for a while. It's still to be determined if he's going to need surgery or not. Which is a devastating blow to the Celtics. It'll be time for Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum to really step up and play some big minutes to go along with Kemba. And those are pretty much my NBA thoughts and transferring to some more NBA talk a little bit with the Warriors and Steph Curry um, breaking his left hand and it's going to be out for a long time. Report the other day is that he might miss the entire season. And I think the reason for that is just because the Warriors have already started so bad. They're 2-8. and eight. Clay Thompson's out for the year. Draymond Green, D'Angelo Russell have both already missed games with injuries. So they're basically just playing with a bunch of second and third year players and rookies also. Just trying to scrape by and get some wins. It's almost like they're in tank mode without saying it. Um, they need to add some talent to a team that really is getting older. Um, Steph, Clay, Draymond all getting up there in age. They don't really have a lot of younger backups that are look like they can be something special. I know they signed Willie Cauley-Stein and D'Angelo Russell, who are still a little bit younger, and Eric Pascal has done a nice job. The big man from Villanova, who they got in the draft this year. But um, overall, I just think the Warriors are going to struggle to put games together this year. And I just hate to see Steph go out. I'm not a Warriors fan by any means. Um, I've always just loved Steph Curry and the way he's played. Same with Klay Thompson. I respect that the Warriors built their um, team basically from the ground up through the draft. They were the team that struggled. They drafted Klay Thompson. They drafted Draymond Green. They drafted Steph Curry. And that was a team that got built up by Mark Jackson, who I don't think gets nearly enough credit for what he did for that Warriors franchise. Steve Kerr comes in, they win their first title with Harrison Barnes, another guy that they drafted, and then they get a guy like Kevin Durant to come in, and that just shows how marketable the Warriors are. They go on, win three titles. Curry, two-time league MVP, has three titles overall. Um, I think a lot of people are going to debate whether this hurts Steph Curry's legacy with this injury just because I think a lot of people still doubt Curry in that once they got Durant, it was pretty much an easy walk for them to go to the finals each and every year. And even though Steph was putting up great numbers in the playoffs and hit a few clutch shots, it was pretty much Kevin Durant that dominated most of the playoffs and won both MVPs of their last two titles. And if Steph Curry didn't have that one bad game three first to Cavs, he probably could have won it over Durant in the second year. But 
Um, obviously, Kevin Durant is a better player than Curry. And I think just a lot of people like to doubt him um, and put him down. You saw how many people ragged on him after this past loss. I mean, you don't have Durant. You don't have Clay. Draymond was playing bad. DeMarcus Cousins was playing hurt. Um, he missed a game tying, or excuse me, game winning three for the Warriors in game six at home after Clay goes down with an injury. Um, just a weird series for them, even though he had a few clutch shots in game two and then exploded for 47 in game four. It was just hard to see, or excuse me, game three. Um, it just hard to look at his legacy being hurt because I think a lot of people wanted to see him be able to carry a team to the playoffs without the help of other superstar players because you've seen guys like Damian Lillard, Kyrie Irving do things without all that talent around him. And I think Steph was fully capable of doing it, but now with this broken hand, he's not going to be able to. And it's just sad to see as a basketball fan because he's had so many injuries he's overcome in his career, especially with his knee and ankle, and now he's got the hand injury. Um, it's just sad to see because he had a chance at probably putting on one of the most historic seasons we've potentially ever seen in the NBA. You think James Harden does so much with the amount of times he shoots per game. Imagine what Steph Curry would be doing without Klay Thompson, without DeMarcus Cousins, without Kevin Durant, his only real help. D'Angelo Russell, who's more of a point guard than a two-yard and has to adjust to a new system. Um, I honestly thought Curry could have averaged between 30 and 35 points, eight rebounds, eight assists. He could have been putting up some historic numbers and just been putting up a lot of crazy 50-point games and put on a three-point shooting clinic. And even if they wouldn't have made the playoffs or if they did and they got Clay back, I think it would just been fun to see Steph do what he does on a basketball court. Um, he's put up some of the best performances I think I've ever seen since watching the NBA. Um, I still remember being in my dorm room watching him hit that three against Oklahoma City from almost half court. He just does things on a basketball court that no other NBA player is going to be able to imitate. And he's going to have some of the greatest shots that no one's going to ever be able to do again. Um, he's just a once-in-a-lifetime type player. And every year that you miss out on him playing, especially when he's getting towards the back end of his prime, is really tough to see. And then I think the biggest thing, too, now is it, I don't know if it's going to be the end of the dynasty. Um, anytime a team has Clay and Steph, I think they're easily going to be in the playoffs. Just hard to see them making it to another finals now with teams like Portland and Denver coming up. And then the Lakers and Clippers looking like they're going to be duking it out for the next three to four years at the top of the Western Conference. It's going to be tough, but I definitely could see them making some deep playoff runs together um, and go out together as the Splash Brothers. But um, that's going to pretty much do it for this week's episode. Next week, we're going to be talking about the Bills. I'm going to have a long rant after today's loss to the Browns. Very frustrated. Um, potentially game of the year that they might have just lost we'll do a preview of their road game versus the Dolphins uh, we're going to talk about the Sabres are we going to go there again is this going to be the same as last year if they give us our hopes up I'll talk about that and then what I think the Sabres are going to do um, with the injuries now with Saboka uh, whether or not they need to call some people up make trades so I'll talk about that as well um, my weekly pick them last week I picked the Seahawks to beat the Bucks, which they did 
Um, so I'm now 7-1, and one, and I'm picking the Cowboys over the Vikings on Sunday night football tonight. Um, so hopefully they get that win, get me to 8-1. and one. But that's going to do it for this week's episode. Thank you all for tuning in. I appreciate all the support. Hope you all enjoy the rest of your short weekend, and I hope you all enjoy the rest of your week. And I look forward to having you guys all listen in next week. Thanks, everyone.